You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. This is an incredible story. Acts chapter 12. We looked at the first five verses last week. We're going to look at the rest, uh, or well, not the rest of the chapter, but verses 6 through 19 uh, this morning. It's an incredible story that is, um, I believe it, 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 it's, it has some light moments in it. Uh, that that you don't 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 pass over them. Sometimes I think we can get too serious reading the scripture. It is a serious book. It is the very word of God. But there is some uh, there is some light moments in God's word, and we can find that in our text today. Let me give you the setting. If you weren't here last week, or you know it was seven days ago, and we've all slept since then. But here's the setting: Peter is in jail. Peter, uh, Herod has put him in jail. Herod hates the Christians. The Jews, the non-believing Jews, non-believing in Jesus Christ Jews, they hate the Christians as well. They think they are a a, a, a rogue sect that has left Judaism and they are, in, in the unbelieving Jews' mind, atheists. They despise them and they want them weeded out, destroyed at any cost. And so Herod and the unbelieving Jews, they, they, uh, they want to destroy Christianity. As we have seen through the, this wonderful book of Acts, the church is growing uh, by leaps and bounds. There's thousands upon thousands of believers. Now churches are popping up and the gospel is advancing in a great way. Well, Herod has enough of it and he has James put to death by the sword. The apostle James, Peter's probably one of Peter's best friends, uh, and Peter is, has been put in prison. Herod recognized that it pleased the Jews to kill James, and so he just goes on and he now he arrests Peter. Well, a feast is going on, and you can't have a court session during uh, the Feast of the Bread, um, and so he has to wait. Now listen, Peter knows that Herod wants him dead. Peter knows that his best friend has just been killed days before. And this is the setting that we find ourselves in. And I want to... Now, here's a spoiler alert. You ready? Peter is released from jail. All right, now, some of you know that. Some of you might not know that. But I want to give you a... a, Don't you hate it when someone gives you a spoiler alert in a movie? Or a sports game. I hate it. Like, you can't can't watch the end of the game, so you put it on pause on your your TiVo or whatever your recording device is, and, and then somebody ruins it, and they tell you what the score is. Listen, I'm going to tell you what Peter gets released from prison. But I want you to, I want to jump forward. We're going to come back and we're going to pick up the story. But I want us to jump forward to verse 11. Because this is where I really want us to see where we're at. Look look at verse 11. When Peter came to himself, I'll explain that here in just a moment. He said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me. 
from Herod's grasp and from all the Jews, I'm sorry, and from all the Jewish people expected. The Jewish people, unbelieving Jews, wanted Peter dead as well. And here's Peter, he's saying, Now I know without any question that I have been rescued from the hand of Herod and all that the unbelievers, unbelieving Jews would like to do to me. I want you to hear something this morning. Our God is a rescuing God. He is a rescuing God. Listen, not only does He want to rescue you from the plan that Satan has for you to spend eternity in hell, He wants to rescue you from every single enemy that you have today. And listen, every one of us has an enemy. You have many enemies. Peter was rescued from his enemy. And I want to, I've titled this message this morning, How to Overcome Your Enemy. How to overcome your enemy. Well, before you can overcome your enemy, you must first know your enemy. Now, this is, wives, this is not a time for you to elbow your husbands. Teenagers, it's not a time for you to blurt out a name. Before you can overcome your enemy, you must know your enemy. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says this, For our struggle... It's not against, follow along with me on the screen there. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Okay, or follow along in your Bible. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, against spiritual forces in the heavens. Listen, we have an enemy, and we must know who our enemy is. It is crucial that we know who our enemy is. And listen, our enemy is Satan and all of his demonic forces. Now, they they play themselves out in multiple different ways. I'm going to explain that here in just a moment. But we must know who our enemy is. Listen, Satan wants nothing more than to keep you from knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He wants nothing more than that. He will do whatever he can with all of His power, with all of His might, to keep you from knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so you think of all the things that might be coming against you, the unbelief, the, um, uh, the, 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 the hypocrisy of the Christians, quote-unquote Christians, that you know, the questions of, of the, the validity of Scripture. I'm telling you, all of those are enemies that Satan is using to keep you from coming to a childlike faith of believing in, in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But listen, if he loses that battle... He doesn't stop. He doesn't just give up and say, well, they've accepted Jesus Christ. I'm going I'm to move on to somebody else. No, listen. Satan will do all he can to keep you from bringing Jesus honor and glory with your life. If he loses the battle with your eternity, he will try to win the battles, battles plural, he will try to win the battles with your today. He will do all he can. And here's the sad testimony of many Christians. Satan doesn't have to work very hard to make us live in such a way that we don't bring honor and glory to Christ. Listen, he will try to keep you from doing that. To overcome your enemy, you have to know who your enemy is, number one. And number two, 
You have to identify the tools your enemy uses. Now, I'm going to get to the text here in just a second, but, but hang with me before we really dig into the text. You have to know who your enemy is, and you have to know the tools. You have to identify the tools your enemy uses. Satan will use all sorts of temptation. He will use fear. He will use worry. He will use doubt. He will use hopelessness. He will use habitual sins. He will use gossip. He will use lying. He will use pornography. He will use sexual immorality. He will use anger. He will use bitterness in your life. And that's just a few. He will use thousands of other things to, to keep you from bringing honor and glory to Jesus Christ with your life. Let me, let me, uh, let me share with you what I have on the opening pages of the book of Psalms. Psalms, I, um, I need to write in my Bible to remind me often of how to apply it. Here's what I have written in the opening of the book of Psalms. The tools my enemy uses is anything that keeps me from being obedient to the great commission, the great commandment, and walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Listen, that, that is making it very, very simple for us to grasp. The tools Satan uses, utilizes, is anything that keeps me from being obedient to the great commandment. What is the great commandment? To love the Lord with all my heart. And to love my neighbor as myself. That's the great commandment. The great commission is for us to go and to make disciples. So anything, my, the enemy will use whatever he can to keep me from being obedient to the great commandment and the great commission or from being able to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Listen, if Satan can keep me from walking in love, then that is a tool he's going to use. And he will, he will wield that tool quite often. And I must know not only my enemy, but I also need to know the tools that he uses. So to defeat your enemy, you need to know who he is. You need to know the tools he uses. And number three, and this is where we're going to get into the text, because I believe Peter shows us how we can elevate our belief in the peace of God, the grace of God, and the power of God. We must know our enemy. We must know the tools that our enemy uses. And we must elevate our belief, our faith in the peace of God, <clears throat> the grace of God, and the power of God. And that's what we're going to see in our text. Our text will help us elevate our belief in these three things. So go back with me, Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 6. Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 6. Let's go through this story. Man, this is just a great story. When Herod was about to bring Peter out for trial, that very night, Peter, 
bound with two chains. Now, I want you to picture this. He's bound with two chains. He has a chain on his left and a chain on his right. And the other chain, the other handcuff, if you will, is, is bound to a guard. He is, he is chained between two guards. So get that picture. He is in jail, in a prison, more than likely a dungeon. And on either side of him, his left and his right, he is chained to a guard. But notice this. Bound with two chains, Peter was sleeping. Underscore that in your Bible. Just before Herod is going to release Peter, and you remember what's going to happen to him, just before that happens, Peter's chained between two guards and he is sleeping between two soldiers. While the sentries, those that are, that are uh, looking out, they're, they're, they're watching for anything that might happen. Any, any other Christians try to come and get Peter, they're, they're guarding the prison, if you will. Not necessarily guarding the prisoners, but it tells us they are guarding the prison. Verse 7, suddenly an angel of the, of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke him up and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. I, I love that phrase. I wish, and we could, we could do a Bible study just on that phrase. And the chains fell off his wrists. Brothers and sisters in Christ, do you remember the moment that you accepted Jesus Christ? The chains fell off your life at that very moment. Chains fell off his wrist. The angel says, says to him, he gives him five imperative commands here. Get up. Get dressed. Put on your sandals. And he did. Wrap your cloak around you. Put your coat on, he told him. And follow me. Here's the five commands again. Get up. Get dressed. Put on your sandals. Put your coat on. And follow me. Verse 9. So he went out and he followed. And he did not know what the angel did was really happening. But he thought he was seeing a vision. Now don't miss this part. Peter was in a deep sleep. Chained between two guards. In prison. Knowing that when the sun comes up he is probably going to be put to death. He's not just kind of dozed off. Fearful of what is about to happen, he is in a deep sleep. Verse 10, after they passed the first and the second guards, that's Peter and the angel, after they passed the first and the second guards, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them by itself. They went outside and passed one street and suddenly the angel left him. And here's, the, here's where we started at this morning. When Peter came to himself. See, now he's, now he's fully awake. He's not just kind of dazed and confused. He is completely 100% awake. When he came to himself, he says, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and he rescued me from Herod's grasp. And he also rescued me from All that the Jewish people expected. Verse 12, As soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. Do you remember last week, we were talking about this incredible prayer meeting going on. As James has been killed, Peter has been put in prison, and the church does what? They enter in 
to a prayer meeting? How do, we, how do we overcome persecution? How do we face our persecution today? We pray and we pray some more. This is what's going on. The church is in the middle of the night. They are having a prayer meeting. Verse 13. This is where Luke wrote the book of Acts. I think I've shared that with you before. You just see just the humanity here. Um, and you see some lightness here. Peter knocked at the door of the outer gate, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice, and because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the outer gate. Now, now picture what's going on. They have been praying all night long. We can assume that they were praying for Peter's release. We don't know that exactly, but we can assume they've been praying for Peter's re- release. Now, Rhoda is a guard. She is looking out, watching. At, remember, the church is under attack. Persecution is going wild in Jerusalem. And so they have placed people to guard, to watch what's going on. But no doubt, Rhoda knows. She could probably hear them crying out to God in prayer. She hears a knock on the door. She goes to check at the door, and she hears. she doesn't open it up. She just hears him talking. And she hears Peter's voice. And sorry, um, I just wrote a. I know she's probably Middle Eastern descent, and I don't know that there's many blonde headed Rhodas. I'm quite certain she's a blonde. You follow me? Sorry. I love you. I just. I just, I want you to, like, I just get this picture. Knock, knock, knock. She hears Peter's voice, and she just screams, like, ah! Like, like, ah, ah! And instead of just simply opening up the door, letting Peter in, she runs back to the prayer meeting. Look at what happens. She didn't open the door. She announces that Peter was standing at the outer gate. Look at what happens, verse 15. You're out of your mind. You ever feel like this? Like you've been praying for God to do something in your life, and then God does it, and then you're like shocked that He did it? This is what's happening. The church is, they're having a prayer, all night prayer meeting, calling out to God for, for Peter's release or for, 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 for things to go well for Peter. And then they get news that Peter is standing at the door and they're like, Would you be quiet? You're just, you're out of your mind. You've, you've lost it, girl. That's, that's what's happened. You're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was true. And they said, It's his angel. Peter, however, kept on knocking. And when they opened the door, and saw him, they were amazed. They were astonished. The, 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 the Greek word there, I love this word. It's just fun to say. Thafmazo. They were, they're, they're like mind blown. Just, they're, they're amazed. They're astonished. There's, we've been praying that God would send his release or that something good would happen, but he's there. Like, wow, God, you're, you're good. And they're, they're just amazed. They're astonished. They probably probably kind of get crazy because look at what happens verse 16 probably get loud motioning to them with his hand to be silent this is peter he describes to them how the lord had brought him out of the prison and then he says this just simple instructions tell these things to james this is not the james that was just killed of course this is james the brother of jesus and the brothers he said And he left and he went to another place. At daylight, there was a great commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had searched and did not find him, he interrogated the guards and ordered their execution. 
Then Herod went down from Judah to Caesarea and stayed there. Father, I pray, oh, I pray, God, that you would help us to see how we can apply this to our life. Help us, God, to elevate our belief in the peace that you offer us, the grace that you have poured out on us, and the power that you have afforded to us. Oh God, it's in your Son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen. Here's what I want you to see. We've already talked about we have to know who our enemy is. We have to know his tools. Uh, We have to know how to defeat him. The story shows us as a child of God, you can have peace in the face of your enemy. As a child of God, you can have peace in the face of your enemy. I can't stress enough this idea. Here's Peter. Asleep in jail. Chained between two guards. Knowing that when the sun comes up, the same fate that happened to James is going to happen to him. He has the knowledge of knowing the hatred of the unbelieving Jews toward him. He knows that. He knows he's going to be released back into whatever they they say. He knows what happened to Jesus. It was the unbelieving Jews that shouted in the courtroom, crucify, crucify, crucify him. He knows that. He has the knowledge of Herod's plan to kill him. And here's what we see. Through Peter. Peter has the peace of God in the face of his enemy. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you can too. Know your enemy. Know the tools that that the enemy uses. We must elevate our belief in this, the peace that God gives us. Peter is asleep. How? How in the world can Peter be asleep? Well, number one, he had... He had the confidence of eternal life in Christ Jesus. He knew that this world was not his home. He knew that the world that he was living in was temporary. And here he is. He has the confidence for me to live as Christ. Maybe he already understood what the Apostle Paul is going to say just a few years later. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. He just had a confidence of knowing that this is a temporary dwelling place. This is a, this is a mortal being, but I have immortality with Jesus Christ in heaven for all eternity. He had the confidence of eternal life in Christ Jesus. But not only that, listen, Peter had the example of Jesus. And if you remember the story of when the, when the storm arose, when Jesus called the apostles to come into the boat, and he said, we're going to go to the other side, and somewhere on the Sea of Galilee, a storm arose. And what was Jesus doing? Asleep in the bow of the boat. And here's Peter in prison. And maybe he's just, Maybe he's thinking about the confidence that he has in his relationship with Christ and what eternity awaits him. Or maybe he's thinking back to this moment when Jesus, here's this raging storm, and Jesus can find himself asleep. So he has the confidence of Jesus. He has the example of Jesus. You remember what the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It's such a, it's such, I believe, just a shocking verse to our 
to our mind because it seems so impossible to listen to what it says. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, don't worry about anything. And that's, doesn't that seem so, so hard to comprehend? With all that's going on around us, Apostle Paul says, just don't worry about anything. But in everything, all of your concerns, all of your fear, bring those concerns, bring those worries, bring those fears to Christ. But in everything, through prayer, through petition, with thanksgiving. So, so in all of those things, remember what to be thankful for. We talked about that last week. Through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So when those fearful things come, I can imagine Peter chained between two guards, knowing that what is going to take place when the sun rises, I am sure that he has brought those requests before God. Oh God, if this is what you have for me, if my life can bring you, if my death can bring you an honor, honor and glory, then so be it. But for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so I would, I would love to continue to, to go on living. And if you so choose, I would be so thankful. That's Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. You see, it makes no sense for Peter to be asleep in prison, does it? Chained between two guards. That makes no sense. So how is it possible? He has, he has Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You can imagine the anxiety in his heart. You can imagine the confusion in his mind, but his heart and his mind is guarded by Christ Jesus. I love what Tony Morata says. He says, Peter was guarded by soldier, soldiers, but his heart was guarded by God. His physical body was guarded by soldiers, but his heart is guarded by God. Because I'm telling you, Satan is wanting to throw all kinds of, of distractions your way. And Satan can, can guard you with all of those distractions, just getting your mind off, off on all of that other stuff. But listen, as a child of God, your heart can be guarded by God. And you can have peace as you walk through the middle of the storm. Listen, we must know this peace. We must live this peace. Through our Lord and Savior, who is the Prince of Peace, who Himself gave us an example. You can sleep in the middle of the storm. Verse seven, verse seven, an angel. I, I, I think Luke loved to tell this story. Um, and I, love, I think Peter probably even loved to tell this story. Like, man, I. I was dead asleep and this light shone around me and, and this angel comes and is like smacking me on the side to wake like, come on, get, get up. That's what's going on. Here's what we see in verse 7. The angel has to strike Peter on his side to move him. Peter wakes up and these chains fall off. Listen, our Lord, our Lord loves to master in removing chains. Chains that keep us so, so 
far removed from God. Chains that, that keep us from unbelieving in what God can do and still wants to do in your life and in the life of your family members and those you love and care about. Listen, our God specializes in removing the chains. Again, Peter, he follows the angel and he thinks he's dreaming. And again, don't, don't let this detail seem to be like a little small detail that it, it says, but he thought he was, he was seeing a vision. No, listen, this is telling us that there is absolutely, listen, Peter didn't have in his own ability the strength to, to, uh, uh, to, to defeat all of the guards. There were 16 guards watching after him. He didn't have the strength to, to defeat those guards. He didn't have the strength to open up uh, the prison doors. He didn't have the strength to open up that final gate. This, 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 this information is key to telling us that Peter is admitting, listen, oh, I, I have an enemy, and I have, I, I, he is throwing many, many tools at me. And I can't defeat a one of them, but I have a rescuer, and his name is Jesus Christ. Oh, it's not a small little detail. This iron gate, it says, it says the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to themselves, it opened to them by itself. That the Greek word there is, is where we get the word automatic. Optomos, uh, let me say it. Optomatos. It sounds like tomatoes, but it's automatic. It's, it's, it, it automatically opened up. It, it's, there's, they, they, didn't, they didn't get a certain way. and they, they, the, the chains didn't fall off by Peter's ability. The, the first gate didn't open up by Peter's ability. The second gate didn't open up by Peter's ability. And listen, the final gate did not open up by Peter's ability. It was all by the power of God. Listen, not only does this story show us that as a child of God, you can have peace in the face of your enemy. Here's the second thing I want you to see. As an act of grace, God will deliver you from your enemy. Go back, go back through that list. Just think about as you identify the tools of the enemy. Listen, God will deliver you from the, that enemy, from the tools that the enemy is using. Why? Because of your special ability? Why? Because, of, uh, because God is showing favor on you? No, as an act of grace. Look at verse 11 again. When he came to himself, he says, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent an angel, and he rescued me from Herod's grip. And he rescued me from all that Jews that the Jewish people expected. Here's his, his admission. It's not my ability. It's not what I have done. This is a pure act of grace. Oh, we can learn from this that God will deliver us as an act of grace. He will deliver us from our enemy. And I pray, I pray that as, as, these, as Satan throws these these distractions to you, as He uses His tools to keep you from bringing honor and glory to God, I pray that you would spend time in prayer, that I would even do more so, spend more time in prayer, asking God, oh God, deliver me from 
the tools of the enemy. Listen, just as Moses told Israel, just prior to parting the Red Sea, stand firm and see that the salvation, see the Lord's salvation that He will accomplish for you today. Oh, listen. Just as a 10-year-old boy, nothing I could have done to deserve salvation. But Jesus Christ is an act of grace. He saved me. Just as Peter would receive grace as an angel led him out of the prison. Listen, God will deliver you from your enemy. But I want you to catch this. This story is not about Peter's escape. It's not about his escape on his own, for sure. It's about Peter's deliverance by God. The Lord delivered Peter by sheer grace. How do we overcome our enemy? By the sheer grace of God. He's a great rescuer. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. Write this down in the margin of your Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18 says this, The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Oh, may we be able to say, as the Apostle Paul says, the Lord will rescue me from not just one, but every evil work. Listen, we're saved by simply receiving God's grace. This is what Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9 says to us For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourself, it's God's gift, not from works, so that anyone could boast. We see over and over and over again that Peter, just the example of there's nothing he could have done to be saved from the prison guards. It was an act, sheer act. Of God's grace. All glory belongs to God. When He delivers me from temptations, all glory be to God. When He delivers us from habitual sin, all glory be to God. When He delivers us from our enemy, all glory be to God. Last point. Not only does this story show us that as a child of God you can have peace in the face of enemy in the, of an enemy as an act of grace God will deliver you from your enemy the third point is this by the power of God you can overcome your enemy I believe there are many Christians today who have who have given up on the thought that they can overcome any trap that Satan has placed them in we've just given up and we've oft, oftentimes, many Christians, we've just we've redefined what sin is. And we've just quit the idea that we can overcome something, especially these habitual sins that we just point to as a man. I've struggled with this for years. My family has struggled with this for years. So therefore, I must struggle with it as well. No, 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 listen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, one of my favorite verses. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have gone, died, dead. And behold, the new things have come. Listen, by the power of God, you can 
overcome your enemy. Go back to that list of, of the tools that Satan uses. Anything that keeps you from being obedient to the Great Commission, anything that keeps you from being obedient to the Great Commandment, anything that keeps you from walking in the fruit of the Spirit is a tool that Satan is using to keep you from living in a way that brings honor and glory to God. But listen, God can help you overcome it. Look, look with me again at verse 12. Here's, here's Peter. He's come to this place where he's, he's giving God praise. He's like, man, it's, it's by the grace of God I've, I've been set free. And as soon as he realizes this, he goes to the house of Mary. He goes where this, where this prayer meeting is going on. They, they're praying for the power of God to fall on Peter. And maybe they are praying. Let's just... Maybe they're just praying conservatively. God, would you, would you change Herod's mind? Maybe not kill him. Maybe just a lifetime in prison. Maybe they're praying that. Maybe, maybe they're praying, God, give Peter strength as he grow, goes through the trial that he's going through. There's no doubt there's probably some in there that are praying for Peter's release. Maybe there's a, a tinge of doubt. I believe there is. I believe there's, there's doubt in the power of God. And this is what we, we see in this, this, this funny, really, story of Rhoda. <clears throat> Maybe she's a part of the prayer meeting. We don't know. She's in the house. <clears throat> but here's, here's the answer to the prayer at the door. And he comes and he knocks on the door and she, she runs away and she, she reports that Peter is there. But what happens? Unbelief. Unbelief in the power of God. They're praying for it, but they're praying with unbelief. God has delivered Peter. And they're struggling with that. Not only do they struggle with believing it, they even kind of get into some kind of theological debate. They're like, no, 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 that's not Peter, that's his angel. They believe that, that, that uh, the Jews believe that the guardian angel mimicked in body style uh, whoever they were guarding. So they, they begin to have this theological debate. And, no, 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 it's not, it's not really Peter, it's his angel. But finally, doesn't, the story doesn't tell us, finally they go to the door. Peter keeps on knocking. You can imagine, he's probably like knocking and every once in a while whispering. See this. Peter, like he's a, he's a wanted man. And here he is out in the middle of the street. He, the last place he needs to be is in the middle of the street, in the middle of this city, right? Peter's knocking. Like Rhoda. <laughs> They're in there arguing. Rhoda. And finally, they come to the door. And they see Peter in just an explosion of excitement. Listen, we must have a revival in our own hearts that it is the power of God that will help us overcome our enemy. We can't do it on our own. You think about, you just go through that list, anything that keeps you from being obedient to the Great Commandment, the Great Commission, walking in the fruit of the Spirit, all of the things that keep us from doing that, we cannot do it on our own, but we have a powerful God who can set us free from the things that keep us from walking in a way that brings honor and glory to God. 
Oh, we must have a revival of the power of God in our own hearts. Listen, He will help us overcome our enemies. Listen, God is able to do above and beyond all that we ask of Him. That's what it tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Oh, it's my prayer that God would elevate our belief in what He can do and stop trying to fight our battles on our own. John Newton, an Anglican uh, preacher and um, the man who penned the words to the, ama- to, to, the, to the hymn Amazing Grace. Listen to this statement that he says. He says, Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such none can ever ask too much. Let me say that again. It's a great little statement. Thou art coming to a king. This is our prayer. Large petitions with thee bring, with thee bring, for his grace and power are such none can ever ask too much. Oh, may we trust in his power as you pour out your heart to him. And then in verse 17, just real quickly, Peter gives us instruction. This is exactly what we're doing today. Tell these things. See, in, in verse 11, verse 11, Peter's internalizing this testimony. He's not told anybody yet. He's just internalizing what God has done for him. He has set me free. Now I know that he has, he has set me free from Herod's grasp. He's set me free from what the Jews want to do to me. In verse 17, He's now vocal with this testimony. He says, tell the brothers, tell James all that has happened to me. He's saying, go go back to the story of when I was put in prison and tell them of the peace that God gives us in the face of our enemy. Tell them of the grace that, that, listen, your deliverance is not by anything that you can do. It is only by the grace of God. Tell them about the peace. Tell them about the grace. And oh, don't forget to tell them about the power that God has and He has made available to us. Oh, may we, may we, we're, this is what we're doing right now. Peter has said, tell the brothers. And that's what we're doing. Listen, I am telling you how we can overcome our enemy. Our enemy is Satan. And he has a lot of tools that he wants to, to use to destroy you, to keep you from, from, from even knowing Jesus Christ, but, but to also walking in a way that brings him honor and glory. Oh, listen, may we walk in peace. May we know his grace. And may we experience his power to come to faith in him and to walk in freedom with him. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.